0: Our next session, Lord, Teach Us to Pray, Part 2. We're continuing with the tools. We've looked at eight tools already. And um, I had a couple of questions that, that uh, came up to me before I get started that I thought I'd just mention, at least one of them anyways. And the other ones are going to be mentioned in my talk here in just a minute. Um, but the one question that I wanted to mention is uh, the questioner said, well, I kind of felt like if, if I pray out loud, then the devil can hear what I'm saying. Um, and this is kind of a common thing that I've, I've run into. I don't know where it comes from, but it seems to be pretty prevalent in the Adventist church anyways. Um, and, uh, you know, people are fearful to pray out loud because, oh, then the devil will hear what I'm saying. And then he'll go and, you know, keep from happening what I've been praying for. And so that's why I pray quiet, because I want to be stealthy and keep the devil, trick the devil or whatever you want to call it. But here's the thing. When we pray out loud, we are showing the devil by our words that we believe the promises of God and that we have faith in his word and in his power and his ability to hear and to answer our prayers. And there's nothing that makes the devil tremble more than knowing that you trust God's word. Listen, is your God that weak that he cannot keep the devil doing something in your life that he doesn't want him to do? Is that how weak your God is? Your God is much, much more strong, much stronger than that. So I encourage people, pray out loud. There's a time for silent prayer, but there's definitely a time for verbal prayer because you are showing the devil, I trust the promises of God that he will do what he said he will do. And there's nothing that will make the devil tremble more than that. So just a little thought on praying out loud. I thought the rest of you would like to uh, be caught up to speed on that. Some of the other things we're going to talk about in in our talk. So let's go ahead and bow our heads, and we'll start with another word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time. We thank you for what you've taught us. We thank you for the tools that you've given to us. And dear Lord, I pray now that you would continue to instruct your children and that you would help us to see beautiful things from your word, because we prayed in Jesus' name, amen. So um, let's go ahead and say our Bible text together uh, out loud. We'll just do it in unison, and it's found in Jeremiah 33.3, 3, and it says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Very good. Give yourself a hand. You must not have been too impressed with yourself. (laughs) The Sermon of the Lord says this in Christ, page 94. The darkness of the evil one encloses those who neglect to pray. That's something that's worth memorizing right there. The darkness of the evil one encloses those who neglect to pray. The whispered temptations of the enemy entice them to what? Sin. Now listen to this. And it's all because they do not make use of the privilege that God has given them in the divine appointment of what? So why is it that the whispered temptations of the enemy overcome us? Because we don't use the appointed gift that God has given to us in the divine appointment of prayer. Prayer. Vital for overcoming the temptations in our life is spending that time with the Lord each morning in prayer. So we're looking at this text uh, where the disciples come in Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And so we've looked at three or four tools so far. Tool number one that we've looked at is to have a secret place to pray. So you've already thought this through and you've written it down in your notes and you now have a secret place where you're going to meet with the Lord when you get home on Wednesday morning. You've got that secret place. Number two, we looked at having a time to pray and now you've thought about your schedule and you've outlined a time, a specific time that you're going to meet with the Lord in prayer on Wednesday morning and every morning after that. Number three, we learn to pray aloud where only God can hear. And so we're verbalizing our prayers. We're, we're saying them aloud. One of, this, one of the attendees came up and asked me, what about writing our prayers? Fantastic. Another, it's just the concept is we want to keep our mind engaged in our prayers. And when we do it in our minds, we tend to wander and repeat ourselves and get distracted and fall asleep. But if we're saying it out loud or if we're, if we're writing it down, you know, David wrote down his prayers in Psalms. So if we write down it, we're keeping it engaged in our minds as we're praying in that act of devotion to God. So writing out your prayers, fantastic. That's that a good way of doing it. And then number four, we talked about learning how to hear or to listen to God's voice speak to us. So these are four tools we've looked at so far. Tool number five. Tool number five is to present His what? Tool number five is to present His promises. Matthew chapter 7, we're all familiar with this promise. The Bible says, ask and it shall be what? Given unto you. Jesus simply invites us to come and to ask to present before him our requests. The best requests that you can request of God are requests that are already outlined in the Word of God. We call them promises. Uncle Arthur tells a story about a little boy one evening in his bedroom praying to God. And mother overhears the prayer of this little boy. As he's praying to God, he says, Lord, dear Jesus, please give me a pet elephant. (laughs) Sounds wonderful, doesn't it? I mean, having a pet elephant, how extravagant would that be? But let me ask you a question. If the Lord answered his prayer request and gave him a pet elephant... Do you think that he would appreciate that pet elephant three weeks after he got it? When he had to clean up the messes that that elephant makes? And buy all the food that that elephant needs to eat? And fill up the water pot with all the water that that elephant needs to drink? Can you imagine how long it would take to take an elephant on a walk? Lord, please give me an elephant. And so this mother had a little work to do. And she had to sit down with her son. And educate him how to pray to God, what requests to make. But it's unfortunate that many of us in our prayer time were asking for elephants. (laughs) It sounds good at the time. But if God were to answer many of our prayer requests three weeks after we prayed them, we would think, oh Lord, what have I done? So we want to, as we pray, we want to present the promises of God in our prayer time together with the Lord. Now, here's the qualifying characteristic. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, the Bible says, And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything, what's the next part? According to His will, what does it say? He will hear us. Now, you know this passage. And if we know that He hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have a petition that we desired of Him. So John makes it clear. When we pray, we can have full expectations that God will answer the prayer if we are praying according to what? His will. According to the promises of His word. Now... The book of Education, page 257 says, He makes it plain that our asking must be according to God's will. This is her commentary on that verse. We must ask for the things that he has what? That he has what? So she says we ask for the things That he has promised. You see, this is the thing in our mind. When we pray, we don't even know what to pray for because we don't know what the Bible says. If we know what the Bible says, if we know the promises of God, then we can pray in a more educated way and have a better expectation that God will hear and answer that prayer. So she tells us how to pray. We must ask for the things that he has promised. If he hasn't promised it, don't ask for it because it's not good for you. And whatever we receive, we must use in doing His will. The conditions met, the conditions met, the promise is unequivocal. If we meet the conditions of the promise, there's no question that God is going to fulfill that promise in our life. So let's get practical here this this afternoon. I'll give you a couple of practical examples. In the book of 1 Corinthians, you have your Bibles, go there with me if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I just want to give you an example of this, how it works. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. This is a promise that I've uh, committed to memory and... I can't tell you how much it helped me out. 1 Corinthians 10.13, the Bible says this, There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. What does that mean? That means that any temptation you struggle with is not unique to you. That means that there are many people who have struggled with the identical temptation that you struggle with in your life. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is... Faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. So he's not going to allow you to be tempted with something more than you can bear. But will Here's the promise. But will, with the temptation, also make a way of escape that you might be able to what? Bear it. Now I remember the first time I saw this promise I thought, man, this is powerful. The Bible says that encapsulated in every single temptation... Because it says he will with the temptation, encapsulate it in every single temptation is the way of escape. He will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. So this is what I do. I say, okay, God. Here it is, First Corinthians chapter ten and verse thirteen. You said that with every temptation that comes my way there is a way of escape, and so I ask him, where is it? Where is that way of escape? This is praying the promises of God. God promises you that whenever a temptation comes, there is a way of escape. And so I claim that promise and I ask the Lord, show me that way of escape. And then I wait and let him talk to me. And I listen to that voice of reasoning in my mind, the conscience that speaks to you telling you what you should and shouldn't do. I wait and I listen, and God will reveal to you the way of escape because he's promised it. She says the condition's met. If the conditions are met, the promise is unequivocal. So I can, I can put my confidence in that promise here's something else that I do just to make this practical. Because again, we want to pray the promises of God. That's what she says to do. We must ask for the things that He has promised. This is another project that I did just recently. I finished it and I think I'm going to do it again uh, because it was so enriching. In my devotional time, what I did, I think it was pretty much this past year for the most part. I just finished it recently. I started in Psalms chapter 1 and I read a psalm every morning. Now, it took, a, it took a little longer than 150 days because some of the chapters are a little longer and I wanted to spend more time on them. But I read a psalm, I read some of, of the book of Psalms every single day in my prayer time, going through the book of Psalms. And I took my pen and a ruler And I underlined in the book of Psalms every single promise that I found in that book. And there are lots of them. I know I didn't get them all, but the ones that spoke to me. So now I have in my Bible, I can open up my Bible in the book of Psalms, and my eye will instantaneously go where the promises are in that book. She says to pray the promises of God. That's what we are praying in our prayer time. We're praying what God has promised. And so I got to know where the promises are so I know what to pray. So as we're going through scripture, we need to be constantly looking for the promises of God. Everywhere we go, we're looking for promises, looking for promises. And I don't know about you. I underline them in my Bible. Whenever I come across a promise, I underline it. So when I open my Bible, boom, my eye goes right to the promises of God. So I know what to pray. And this will give you a power in your prayer time that you have never experienced before because you are praying the promises of God. You're praying the promises of God. Now let me take this one step further. I want to get really practical here because the thing is, is this. If we don't know the promises, it's hard for us to pray them. The best way for you to know the promises is A, to find them in the Bible and then B, commit them to memory. So when you are in your prayer closet, the Lord can bring these promises back to your mind. When you are praying and you can start praying those promises that you've committed to memory. That's why I committed 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 to memory. So I can commit, so I can repeat that in the hour of temptation when it comes my way. Now let me give you just a little uh, formula for scripture memorization. This is something that I use in my personal life and have, have, have benefited from it. So this is a scripture memory formula for those of you that want to do some scripture memorization, memorizing the promises of God. So the formula is SM equals 3M plus R2. What does that mean? SM means scripture memory. What does it mean? Scripture memory. So you have scripture memory equals 3M. What's 3M? 3M is mindset. Memorize and meditate. What is it? Mindset, memorize, and meditate. So scripture memory equals your mindset, your determination to get it done. Grunt, hard work, memorizing, committing it to memory, and then meditating on that passage. Listen, you can have lots of texts inside of your head, but if you have not meditated on that passage, that passage means nothing to you. We have to meditate on the passage so that you're pulling out of that text what it means, what the promise is, so that you can apply it in your life. So scripture memory equals mindset, memorize, meditate, plus R2. R2 is daily review and back review. The only way you're going to retain that that promise, once you've done the hard work of committing it to memory, is reviewing it over and over and over again. You've all heard Randy Skeet yesterday, Pastor Skeet, talk about how every moment of the day as he goes throughout the day, he's reciting, 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 so that it stays inside of his mind, so that he's constantly meditating upon the Word of God. He lives and breathes the Word of God as he goes throughout the day. This is scripture memory. It's hard work, but it pays off. And it draws us closer to God. And it does something to our prayer life like we'll never imagine. We can never imagine happening. So scripture memory equals mindset, memorize, meditate, plus daily review and then back review. Just continuing to review those passages so they stay stuck inside of our head. Now here's a tool that you can use for those of you that are smartphone people. And that is Scripture Typer. I don't know how many of you have seen this. Anybody seen Scripture Typer? Oh, mercy, there's a couple of you. Very good. You need to spend the money to get this. Get this. It's a little bit more of an expensive app. It's not one of those 99 cent or whatever you want to call it, apps. I don't know how much they are over here, but it's a little bit more expensive. It is well worth the time investing into this program. You can also do it on your Mac uh, or your desktop, any of your tablets, mobile phones, both Android and iPhone uh, have the app. Scripture Typer. I mentioned yesterday that I have a Bible memorization app on my phone. This is the one. And so as I'm going throughout my day, if I find that I've got a couple of minutes of spare time, I pull out my phone and I'm, I'm reviewing my Bible passages and going through them. And, and another thing that I like to do is in my devotional time, as I'm reading scripture and I come across a promise that I love, I put it inside of my phone, my app here, and I have a list of promises that I want to memorize. So when I'm ready for another text, I've already worked on the ones that I'm working on, and I'm ready for a new text, I've already got a list of promises that I want to go to. And so I look through my list and I pick another one and I memorize it and it goes right into the list of Bible texts that need to be reviewed on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Well worth the time investing into the program. I've used it and I can tell you that it is effective. Another way of committing scripture to memory is through song, scripture songs. And there's an app that just came out for this from Fountain View Academy called scripture singer it's free you can download the app they've got lots of songs on there it's all bible that's put to music some of the songs you know i mean scripture songs are a little bit of a challenge sometimes to you know uh musically but but, but we're not doing it so we don't listen to this so much because of how beautiful the music is although it is that but we listen to it because the music helps it and makes it easier to retain in my mind i went to a boarding academy in arkansas where uh, for our our devotions in the morning and the evening, we sang scripture songs. We didn't sing hymns, we sang scripture songs. And to this day, even in the time before I had a relationship with the Lord, I would sing these songs, and to this day, they're stuck in my head. I hear the music, I know the words, and it comes to my mind when the Lord wants to bring it to my mind. So these are two ways that you can uh, memorize. These are two apps that will help you actually do that that I would recommend. Now, to get you started... Let me give you a couple of suggested texts to start with uh, for your Bible memorization. First Corinthians chapter ten, and verse thirteen. We just read that. Jeremiah thirty-three, three. You've already committed that to memory. Psalms chapter one hundred and forty-three, verse eight. We've uh, uh, read that one several times in our time together. And then John fifteen, verses five and seven. I am the vine; ye are the branches. Uh, That's that passage there. So uh, these are the ones that I would suggest getting started with. And then as you memorize these, be on the lookout for other promises that speak to you and then start compiling a list of promises that you love and that you'd like to memorize. Psalms 143 verse 8. Don't look at that. Psalms 143 verse 8. It's not 134. 143 verse 8. I have dyslexia, so sometimes I mix things up. Psalms 143, verse 8. Thank you for that. Now, there's the old-fashioned way of memorizing, and that's using Bible cards. Uh, you can do that as well. That's what they used to do back in the Stone Age time, I guess. Uh, we have uh, smartphones now, so we do it the smart way. Uh, but you can also use, you know, cards if, if you so choose. If you don't want to carry a smartphone around, that's fine. Just write it out on a card. Um, you know, have the Bible text on one side and the reference on the other side. And you can review that way. And I talked about how you can take the first letter of each word and write it on the card so that when you review it, you can just look at the first letter and it'll help you review that passage in a more effective way. So that's another way that you can do it. So the first uh, step that we have or the first tool that we've looked at today, number five, is to present God's promises. We've got to commit them to memory. We've got to put them inside of our heads. We've got to do the hard work that takes to do this so that we can bring them into our prayer life and pray the promises of God as the servant of the Lord tells us to do. Number six, tool number six, believe the promises of God. Seems a little redundant, doesn't it? Well, you know, you can pray the promises of God, but if you don't believe them, what good are they going to do? Right? If you don't believe in that promise, it's not going to do you any good. If you don't have faith that that promise can actually be fulfilled in your life, what good is it going to do? You can even memorize it, and it's not going to do you any good. Jesus says in Mark chapter 11, verse 24, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire, when you pray, what does he say? Believe that ye ye receive them and ye shall have them. So God invites us to believe his promises. Believe what he says and it will happen for you. Believe in those promises. Christ Object Lessons, page 147, she says this. God stands back of every promise he has made. Somebody say amen to that. God stands back of every promise He has made. Everyone, He stands behind it. She says this: "With your Bible in your what? Hands, with your Bible in your hands, say, "I have done as thou hast said." That's fulfilling the condition to the promise. I have done as you have said. I present thy promise." Ask, and, ye sh- and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. So she says, listen, take your Bibles in your hand and present the promises of God. He stands behind every single one of the promises that he has made. Show them to him. You know, <laughs> my daughter is really good at reminding me of the promises that I make for her. You know, kids are really good at this. They keep track of it inside of their heads. And, and, and if, you, if you had written it down, they would show it to you. They would say, look, this is what you said. You said you would do this. You better do it. Kids are really good at that. We remind our parents of the promises that they've made. God's our parent. Do the same thing. He loves to hear. Oh, my child's paying attention to my word. Praise God. I'm so happy that he's paying attention. I'm going to do what he's asked me to do. So present those promises. You know, Cory Tim Boom just a great Christian lady. She did, uh, she did what Ellen White just told us to do with our Bible in our hands. She would oftentimes take her Bible and she would open it up. She would open it up to the scripture and with her finger, she would point to the promise and she would show it to God. This is what you say, God. You said this is what you would do. Please do it for your maidservant. And, oh, she was just an amazing woman of prayer. You can read her story, The Hiding Place, and she's written lots of other things as well. But this is what Corrie ten Boom did. She would point to the promise of God, and and it's not original original to her. Listen to this. Testimonies for the Church, Volume 5, page 322. The mother of Augustine prayed for her son's conversion. Parents, pray for your kid's conversion. She saw no evidence that the Spirit of God was impressing his heart, but she was not, what, she wasn't discouraged she laid her finger upon the text presenting it before god pre- presenting it before god presenting before god sorry his own word and pleaded it as only a mother can her deep humiliation her earnest importunities her unwavering faith prevailed and the lord gave her the desire of her heart today He is just as ready to listen to the petitions of his people. Augustine's mother, she put her finger right on the promise. And she said, this is what you said, God. I believe it. I believe what you've said. I've done my part to fulfill the conditions. Now you have to do what you said you would do. One of the promises I'm claiming as a parent is uh, Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart. I can't tell you the amount of times I've claimed that promise with God as my children are young and I'm trying to train them up. And I say, Lord, you promised that if I train them up in the way they should go when they're old, they will not depart. I'm claiming that promise and I'm showing it to God that God will perform it in the lives of my children. Augustine's mother presented the promises to the Lord. We should do the same thing. So what happens if I don't exercise faith in the promises of God? What happens if I don't exercise faith? Notice what the Bible says in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. It says, For unto us was the gospel preached, the promises of God preached the gospel, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not, it did not profit them, not being mixed with what? Faith in them that heard it. He's talking about the children of Israel and the wandering in the wilderness. And he says the gospel was preached to them. Did they have the gospel in the time of the children of Israel, yes or no? Apparently they did. He said the gospel was preached to them. But he said it didn't do much for them. It didn't profit them because it wasn't mixed with faith. Here's the thing. You know the parable of the sower going forth to sow seed? You know know that story. Jesus talked about how the seed is the what? It's the word of God. Have you ever heard the expression, the oak is in the acorn? Maybe it's a little different here in Malaysia. The palm palm tree is in the coconut. I don't know, whatever. The oak is in the acorn is how we do it in the States, anyways. So so if the word of God is the seed, then the word of God itself is, has the ability to fulfill what it says it will do. I have faith as a farmer that if I put that seed in the ground, that seed is going to grow and bring forth fruit. It's the same thing with the word of God. As I take the seed of God's promises and I sow them in my heart, I expect that they would grow and bring forth faith. But in order for that to happen, it has to be mixed with what? If it's not mixed with faith, it doesn't what? It doesn't profit. So everything that we've talked about up to this point in our prayer time, or in our prayer session, if it is not mixed with faith, it's going to be completely and utterly useless. It's not going to benefit you in any way. It says it didn't profit them because it wasn't mixed with faith. Now he goes on and he says this in chapter 3 and verse 19. He says, so we see that they could not enter in because of what? Unbelief. That's why they couldn't enter in. And it'll be sad one day that many people will miss out on the kingdom of heaven because of their? Listen, unbelief is poison in your prayer life. And it doesn't take much of it to destroy it. If you get a really potent poison, it doesn't take much for it to kill you. And, poison, and, and and unbelief is poison in our prayer life. We have to present the promises of God, but we have to believe that those promises have the power to fulfill the very thing that they said that they would do, called faith, believing that promise. Mark chapter 9, verse 23 and 24, Jesus said unto them, If thou canst believe, what does he say? All things are possible to him that what? All things are possible to him that believes. And he goes on, he says, And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Now when you look at some of the promises of God, it might seem like it's impossible for God to fulfill them. Just simply pray the prayer that this father prayed. I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe it, but I have a hard time believing it. I believe, help thou my unbelief. And the Lord will hear that prayer because he recognizes how little our faith is sometimes. So we present the promises of God, then we believe in the promises of God. That's our sixth tool. Our seventh tool is to ask how? Ask in Jesus' name. What does that mean? Well, the Bible says this in John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, Jesus is talking here, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And for impact, he says the same thing again in the next verse. If ye shall ask anything in my name, what does it say? I will do it. So what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? Desire of Ages 668, it says this. But to pray in Christ's name means what? It means what? Much. Much. It means much. It means uh, means that we are to accept his character, manifest his spirit, and work his works. Did you catch that? So when I say, dear Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name I pray, when you say that, boom, that's a loaded sentence right there. But none of us really realize that. It's just become a dead ritual that we say in our prayers all the time. We pray in Jesus' name, and then we say, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. And we don't really even understand what that means. But she says to pray in Jesus' name, it means Much. It doesn't just mean a dead name or a dead formalism in our prayer. You know, praying in Jesus' name for some of us has become as much as praying a Hail Mary for a Catholic person. It's just become dead. It has no meaning to us. But she says to pray in Jesus' name, it means much. It means we are accepting His character. We are manifesting His Spirit, and we are accepting His works. Let me show you an example of a prayer that would have been prayed in Jesus' name. Even though the name of Jesus wasn't used, it's still being prayed in Jesus' name. Because again, it's taking his character, manifesting his spirit, and working his works. Listen to this. It's from a lady by the name of Betty Scott Stamm. She was a missionary to China. And this is what she prayed. Lord, I give up all my own plans and purposes, all my own desires and hopes, and accept thy will for my life. I give myself, my life, my all utterly to thee to be thine forever. Fill me and seal me with thy Holy Spirit. Use me as thou wilt. Work out thy whole will in my life and at any cost now and forever. Is that praying in Jesus' name, yes or no? There's no question about that. She's praying exactly in Jesus' name. And you know what? She had her head cut off for it. Both her and her husband, because of their devotion to God in the mission field, both suffered a martyr's death. But she wanted nothing less than the will of God done in her lives. To pray in Jesus' name simply means when you pray, you are saying, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. And sometimes I'll even say that so I remind myself when I'm praying at the end of my prayer when I say in Jesus' name I pray. I'll say in Jesus' name I pray, not my will but thine be done. Trying to remind myself of what it means to pray in the name of Jesus. Not my will but thine be done. Amen. It keeps that focus so that the name of Jesus in my prayer doesn't just become a dead thing. Just something that you tack on at the end of the beginning of your prayer because that's what you were taught when you were a kid. You know, the heathen people, when they prayed, I kind of mentioned this yesterday, uh, they're on Mount Carmel. When the heathen people pray, they pray in attempt to m- manipulate their God to do what they want them to do. So they jump and they scream and they cut and they do all these crazy things to try to get the God to listen to them and do what they want that God to do. But when we pray in Jesus' name, we are submitting and saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to make these requests, but not my will, but thine be done. You know, it's interesting. We're going to look at this in our next study. But when you look at the prayer of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he made a prayer request that was not according to the will of the Father. Let this cup pass from me. It's very interesting when you think about it. He prayed for something that was not according to the will of the Father. And we will do that sometimes as well. And we need to acknowledge that. That's why we need to have this attitude of surrender, as we talked about yesterday. Not my will, but thine be done. Matthew chapter 6, verses 10 and 11 says, Thy will be done, this is the Lord's Prayer, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So when we pray to God, first we're praying, Thy will be done then we present our requests. What's the request? Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus tells us right here in the, in the Lord's Prayer how this, how this works. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, and then I present my requests to the Father. That's how Jesus operated in his prayer time. So number seven, as we pray, we ask how? We ask in Jesus' name. Let's look at number eight. Number eight is to be persistent in your prayers. Be what? Be persistent in your prayers. Scripture says this in Romans chapter 12 and verse 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. What does it say? Continuing instant in in prayer. Continuing instant in prayer. What does that mean? In the Greek, it simply means this. To persevere and not to faint. Continuing instant in prayer. To continue to push the prayer to the throne room of God. Now, a lot of times we get to the point where we get discouraged in our prayers and we kind of drop off. But we don't continue to press that prayer home to the throne room of God day after day after day after day. You know, historians say that between Daniel chapter 8 and Daniel chapter 9, there were several years that expired between those two chapters. In Daniel chapter 8... Daniel receives this vision, but the Bible says none understands it. The Bible says he was sick certain days, and he was astonished at the vision, but none understood it. And for several years, Daniel did not understand that vision. And it wasn't until that prayer in Daniel chapter 9, where Daniel is continuing asking God for guidance, that God finally comes years later and shows Daniel what the vision actually meant. So he was consistent. He was persistent Insisting that the Lord hear and answer his prayer request. And he didn't become discouraged because God's timing is better than my timing. But here's another great example of this. In 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 18 and verse 1, it says, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah. The word of the Lord came to Elijah? The word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show thyself unto Ahab. Listen to this, listen to this. And I will send rain upon the what? Is that a promise, yes or no? Yeah. And what does Ellen White say? God stands behind every promise. So God comes to Elijah. There's been three and a half years of no rain. He says, go show yourself to Ahab. I'm going to send rain upon the earth. So the story continues. And there's the, you know, the whole gathering on the top of the mountain there, and the prophets of Baal have been dancing around and trying to get you know, Baal to send fire down from heaven. The contest takes place. And then after all of their craziness, Elijah prays a simple prayer, and he says this. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all, thy, all the things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, that thou hast turned their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell. And consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stone and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. How many of you would like to go to a prayer meeting like that? Whoo, man, that was powerful stuff. You know, the upper room, fire coming down. I would like those kind of prayer meetings. The Bible tells us in Acts they assembled themselves together in the upper room and it shook. The building shook because they were praying together. I've never been in anything like that, but I covet that experience. So Elijah prays a simple prayer. You can read it through in your spare time. Just read it through word by word, point by point, and you see it's a very simple prayer. No flowery expressions, no complicated sentences, no complicated requests, just simple and straightforward. And as that prayer is prayed, boom, man, fire comes down from God out of heaven and devours everything that's there in front of him. The offering, the wood, the water, the the stone, the dust, everything. It's gone. And the people stand there after watching the prophets of Baal dance around for hours trying to get Baal to do what they wanted him to do. And then all of a sudden, uh, Elijah prays a simple prayer. and Boom, the prayer is answered. And they say, the Lord, he is God. Wouldn't it be amazing? if we could pray simple prayers and hear people say the same thing. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. But the story doesn't stop there. What did God promise? God said, go show yourself to Elijah and I will what? Did the rain come at that point? It didn't come after, after Elijah prayed. He prayed, the fire came down, everything was you know, consumed. But there was no rain that came at that point. There was still some work to do. But Elijah was claiming the promise of God. Now listen to this. Continuing the story, 41 through 45. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of what? Abundance of rain. Is Elijah showing his faith? This was a faith expression in God's word. There is a sound of abundance of rain. He goes on. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink. And Ahab went, or Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and cast himself down upon the earth and put his face in between his knees. What was he doing? He was taking the position of prayer. Throws himself on the ground. Puts his face in between his knees. And the Bible says this. And he said to his servant, go up now. Look towards the sea. And he went up and he looked and he said, there is nothing. And he said, go again. How many times? What's our eighth tool that we're looking at here? Persistence. Eight times Elijah's prostrate on the ground and he's praying for God to answer that promise that he promised him that he would send forth rain. The the fire coming down from God out of heaven was only part of the situation. Now Elijah is pouring forth his heart to God. Seven times he tells his servant to go and look over the sea to see if there was anything coming. And it came to pass at the what time? (laughs) Seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea. A what kind of cloud? A little cloud out of the sea, like a man's hand. And he said, Go. Go up and say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot, and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. The smallest evidence that God was getting ready to answer that prayer. That was enough for Elijah. Elijah he got up from his knees he said go go tell elijah go tell ahab there's the rain is coming go otherwise you're going to get stuck by the rain and it came to pass in that in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind and there was a great rain and ahab rode and went to Jezreel persistent what if elijah had stopped after prayer number three what if Elijah had stopped after prayer number five what if Elijah had stopped after prayer number six on the brink of God answering that promise no he persisted God you promised. I'm praying according to your will you have to answer this promise and he kept praying and he kept praying and he would have stayed there more than seven times if it was necessary but he saw that small cloud and that was enough for him. Listen to what Ellen White says in Prophets and Kings, page 156. As he prayed, his faith reached out and grasped the what? What was the promise? I will send rain. His, his, he, as he prayed, his faith reached out and grasped the promise of heaven. And he persevered in prayer until his, posi- his petition was answered. He persevered. He would have stayed there longer than seven times if he needed to. He did not wait for a full evidence that God had heard him, but was willing to venture all on the what? Slightest token. I see a small cloud. It's about the size of a man's hand. The smallest token of God's divine favor. And yet, what he was uh, enabled to do under God all may do in their sphere of activity in God's what? What Elijah did, all of us can do. It's not just for him. It's for all of us. We can all have this experience in our prayer life. But we must persevere. We must persevere. If we're praying according to the promises of God, we can keep pushing that petition home to the throne room of God until God hears and answers that prayer. But don't give up after a week, after two weeks, after a month. You know, it's interesting. Do you guys do Christmas here? Yes or no? Eh, Okay. In, in America Christmas is too big it's just it's it's way too big but anyways you know when christmas time comes around usually we give gifts to each other right and and when i was a kid throughout the year i would have my eye on certain things that i wanted and you know my mother being a good mother she wants to you know give her child things that he likes and so i would ask can i have that we'll see can i have that we'll see can i have that we'll see mom can i have that gift for christmas We'll see. Mom, can I have that gift? And all year long, I'm asking, 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 asking. And I have to wait three months, four months, five months, six months, 10 months, 11 months, and then the 12th month comes. And Christmas is there. And I see these packages underneath the Christmas tree. And I'm wondering to myself, is it there? And when I open up the gifts and I find that gift that I've been asking for all year long, let me tell you something, as God is my witness, that gift means more to me because of how much I was anticipating getting it for Christmas all year long. So God understands something, that that the more we pray for a specific prayer, the more we value it when the prayer is answered. Let me give you an example. There's a book, if you haven't read this book, you need to read it. It's a story. It's good reading. It's a story called The Heavenly Man. Have any of you ever read this book? Just a couple of you. Brother Yoon. It is fabulous. I've read it twice. I've got it on my phone so I can read it on the way home. It's a fabulous book. Brother Yoon. Brother Yoon, when he was a teenager started asking his mother questions about God. Who's Jesus? They didn't have a Bible, but his mother, to the best of her ability, she told him about Jesus. And I've got some quotes here from her I wanted to to read to you. She says this. Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross for us, taking all of our sins and sickness. He recorded all his teachings... In the Bible. Well, Yun hears about this. Again, he's just a teenager. I think he's about 16 at this point. And he hears this and he thinks, wow, I want to get a Bible. Where do I get a Bible at? This was in China. Where do I get a Bible at? And his mother said, well, there's, a, there's an old man that lives far away. He has a copy of the Bible. Maybe he'll let you read it. And so they make the long trip over to where this man is that has a Bible. And they ask him, can we see the Bible? We want to read the words of Jesus. The old man is suspicious. He doesn't want to get his Bible out because you never know, it could be a trap. But he told Yun something. He said this, the Bible is a heavenly book. If you want one, you'll need to pray to the God of heaven. Only he can provide you a heavenly book. God is faithful. He always answers those who seek him with all their heart. That's all Yoon had to go off of. So he went home. And for 100 days, he fasted. And all he ate was one bowl of steamed rice every day for 100 days. And he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed for the heavenly book. One day, somebody came and knocked on Yoon's front door. He opened the door. There's an evangelist standing there. He said, I had a dream three months ago, 90 days ago. How many days did you pray? I had a dream three months ago. And God told me to give my Bible to you. He showed me in the dream your face, your village, and your house, and how to get there. But I resisted that dream for three months. God already answered Yoon's prayer after ten days. Do the math. God answered his prayer. But somebody else was obstinate. But Yoon just kept praying. Give me that book. Give me that book. Give me that book. And finally, the evangelist comes. Hands him the book. And it revolutionizes his life. So much so to the point that he was willing to suffer the most terrible torture at the hands of evil men for the sake of God. All oh, this story is so, so inspiring. I highly recommend reading it when you get the time. Fascinating story about a man of great faith, but Yun persevered. He persevered in his prayer day after day after day. Dare say, us here, we would become discouraged after fasting for 10 days. And we would pack it in and say, well, it must not be according to God's will. It must not be God's will that I have a Bible. No, 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 no. no. Persevere. Prayer after prayer after prayer. If we're praying according to the promises of God, then we can continue to press that prayer home to the throne room of God until he answers it if we're praying according to his will so as we conclude this session I ask you the simple question what are you gonna do with these eight tools that you've learned in the prayer session together my prayer is that you will take them home and review them and that you will apply them in your lives and let God do beautiful things in prayer. Moving man by God through prayer. Powerful stuff. So I want you to get together again in your groups of two and make that commitment to God in prayer. Lord, when I get home, I want to review this and apply it in my life. So go ahead and break into your groups of two. We'll spend a few moments of prayer and then I will close with a word of prayer. Again, let's maintain the reverence as we wait for people to finish their prayer time. Lord, we thank you for hearing these prayers that have ascended to you as a sweet fragrance into the throne room of your grace. Father, Scripture tells us that you know our frame, to remember that we are dust. Oh, Lord, thank you for your patience with us. We're so weak. We're so incapable of having the moral courage to stand up against today's pressures. Lord, I pray that as we've made this commitment to you, that you would help us to take these practical tools and apply them in our lives. Lord, do not give us rest until we follow through with that commitment that we've just made to you in prayer. And Father, I pray that we will get to heaven one day and that we will see souls won into the kingdom of heaven because of the time that we have spent in our prayer closet with you. Lord, may your promises in your word become real. And may we pray them in our prayers. Lord, bless each one of my dear friends here. Thank you for their sincere desire Lord, I pray that you would raise them up to be a mighty army of prayer warriors for you. Thank you, Lord. Bless us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse,